The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time. Snag tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog just added Pick'em Scorchers, where you could win 100 times your money. That's right, $5 into $500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Scenario is currently Thursday afternoon, October 5th, and I'm your host, so always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the round of 64 at the Shanghai Masters. So we are going to preview several matches from the next couple days. Not going to go through all of them, but whatever matchups catch my eye, I'll go through my thoughts and give out some leans before giving out my favorite plays, of course, at the end of the show in the lock and dog sec- uh, section. Before we get into any of the preview for the matches in the round of 64, do want to recap what happened in the last two episodes. A reminder, did have two episodes in one day, did the Beijing final, and then ended up doing the outright episode for the Shanghai Masters. So four lock and dog picks to recap, starting off with the bad news, did end up going winless in the Beijing final as we had Medvedev and Sinner. Uh, we had Medvedev winning. Uh, we thought that Medvedev would win in straight sets, and we also thought he would cover the spread. Didn't work out as Sinner ended up winning both sets via tiebreak. Can't even really blame Medvedev. I thought he played fine. Just Sinner was incredible the entire tournament, and Sinner was able to unload on the forehand and the backhand and he was able to limit the unforced errors, which really helped propel him to his first ever win against Medvedev. So congrats to him for getting over the finish line and for exercising his demons against a particular opponent. But Sinner was great, and he got rewarded with a title as well as an appearance in the ATP Top 4. He's now a Top 4 player, which is deserving, and hopefully he can parlay that into a Grand Slam in 2024. But for the sake of the... Beijing final picks didn't work out. Uh, Medvedev, once again, just got outplayed, is what it is. However, we did bounce back nicely as we ended up sweeping the lock and dog picks in the Shanghai outright episode. For the lock, ended up having Kokonakis minus three and a half games at minus 125 against Fagnini. Pretty straightforward. He won the first set 6-2 and then eventually got the break in the late stages of the second set because Fagnini double faulted on a break point. So Kokonakis got the job done 6-2, 6-4. Then for the dog, had to sweat it out a little bit. Thursday morning, we had Arnaldi and Papyron over two and a half sets at plus 135. Papyron was up a set and a break. Then Papyron did Papyron things as he completely imploded, got broken in back-to-back service games, and you saw Arnaldi close it out in the second, and then he ended up breaking immediately a couple times in the third set. Papyron almost came back, but he did not as Arnaldi eventually won in three. So either way, point is nice sweep there. End up going two and two if you end up merging both picks together. But we bounced back after going winless, and we ended up sweeping the last episode. So hopefully we keep it rolling, and hopefully we stay undefeated in Shanghai. But for the sake of this episode, a reminder, we're going to go day by day. So we're going to start off with the Friday card, then the Saturday card, and I'm going to go through a couple of matches for each day. So starting off with the first matchup, you have an American with Eubanks taking on Hoffman, and Eubanks is a slight underdog here at even money. Hoffman is around minus 125, and for the sake of this 
over under, you are looking at around 23. So looking at this price, I do think Hoffman should be favored. And I think that it makes a lot of sense because Eubanks has really kind of gone AWOL ever since the U.S. Open. Now, they faced off one time in their careers was on clay. Means nothing back in 2018. Hoffman won, but I'm tossing that in the garbage. So Eubanks has not played since the U.S. Open, which isn't that surprising because I remember he had a bit of a stomach issue uh, when he was in the middle of that tournament. So I wonder if how much of it was based on just potential rest or maybe laziness. But the point is he has not exactly been active for the last couple of weeks. Meanwhile, you're looking at Hoffman. He's been very active as he ended up playing in Beijing. Won two rounds, ended up losing two, or that was uh, qualifying, I believe. Then eventually lost to Alcaraz. It happens, is what it is. Then he ended up beating Duckworth in a three-set marathon, but either way, point is he had a day off in between. But Hoffman has been playing, so I do think he's got an edge here since Eubanks might be a bit rusty after not playing since the late stages of August in the U.S. Open. But I think when you're looking at this matchup, Hoffman has the game to beat him. And I do think that Eubanks is still overrated. I think a lot of people are still high on him based on what happened in Wimbledon and how he was able to make a seriously deep run to the quarterfinals. But I still have to at least point out, I think Eubanks is a pretty good player, but now people expect him to actually be making deep runs in some events, mostly 250s and occasional 500s. I don't see it. I just think his rallying skills are not great, and he needs to end points quickly. But Hoffman's a pretty tall guy. He's a pretty good server, and I definitely think in longer rallies, Hoffman has an edge. I am going to link to Hoffman on the money line here at around minus 125. I just think that price is a little bit too cheap, and the layoff is going to be concerning for Eubanks. Give me Hoffman in that one. Uh, moving on to a fun match between Rude and Nishioka. You have Rude as a pretty decent favorite here. At around minus 250, give or take, uh, you have Nishioka the other way at around plus 200. Uh, looking at the actual spread for this match, Rude minus 3 is minus 110. Nishioka minus, uh, plus 3 is minus 110. Over-under is 22.5. Rude to win in straight sets is plus 105. Nishioka to win a set is minus 135. Over-under 2.5 sets is plus 165. So for the sake of this matchup, they faced off... Twice, one time on clay, Rude buried him. No surprise there back in 2021. Faced off on hard court, and Nishioka actually beat him last year in South Korea. So to go through the recent form, we know that Rude has not exactly been great lately. Ended up beating Struff in straight sets. Ended up beating Echeverry in three in Beijing, and then got buried by Alcaraz. He also did beat Tommy Paul in straight sets in the Laver Cup. So to go through Nishioka's recent performances, he's been fine. Made a deep run in Zuhai, lost in the final to Kashanov, then ended up beating Shang in three sets in Beijing. Then he got curb stomped by Sinner, which apparently is not a bad loss at all, even though only, he only won two games in the entire match because Sinner went on to win the tournament, and then he ended up beating Altmaier in three sets in the first round. So I do think looking at this matchup, Rude should win because I think he's the better player. I do think it is fascinating that Rude to win in straight sets is plus 105, which means they are expecting a marathon here. I wouldn't mind the over two and a half sets. I don't see Nishioka winning in straight sets. 
So I think that minus 135 for Nishioka to actually win a set is actually a ripoff because if I don't think he's going to win in straight sets, then why would I not to just take the over two and a half sets and you're getting an extra 90 cents, which I think is definitely the better deal. I'm going to lean to the over two and a half sets there. I see a pretty similar story to South Korea where you're going to see a three-set marathon between these two players. So now moving on to the next match that kind of caught my eye, looking at... Uh, well, I think the Nakashima-Rune match is interesting because both guys are head cases, but I can't really find value in that particular match. I do think there is value, though, on this next match between Felix and Fuksovics to go through the actual val- uh, the actual prices here uh, for both guys. Fuksovics is a pretty solid uh, dog here. You're looking at Felix, who is favored, which might seem a bit shocking, but Felix is around minus 170, and Fuksovics is around plus 150. For the spread, Felix minus 2 is minus 115. Fuksovics plus 2 is minus 105. Over-under is 23. Slight juice to the over at minus 114. I find this line fascinating because of how bad Felix has been. Now, they faced off three times in their careers, and Felix has won each of the last two. However, they have not played since Cincinnati in 2021, which, so once again, Felix has fallen off a cliff since then. But I do think that Fuksovics can win this match, mostly because I don't think Felix is any good. So I think that when you're looking at this price point, it seems a little bit off. Now, Felix has had a year to forget, and I'm being very generous when I say that. But to go through his path, he beat Berrettini in the first round of Cincinnati, then lost to Manorino. Then he went to the U.S. Open, lost to McDonald in four, then beat uh, Monfie in the Labor Cup. Monfie might not have been taking it fully seriously, and that resulted in that argument or altercation between the two of them on court. Then he ended up playing in Beijing and ended up losing in straight sets to Rune. So he has not been in good form. As for Fuksovics, he's not exactly been good either, ended up beating Korda in the first round of the U.S. Open. He was exhausted after that and got buried by Hitchikata, then ended up playing against Offner in Astana, won the first set, lost in three, and then beat a relative unknown in the first round. But simply put, I'm not laying 170 with Felix. That's a crazy line for me. I do think this could go three sets. So if you want to go for the over two and a half sets at plus 135, I don't mind it. But conceptually, there is no way Felix should be minus 170. That's an insane price for probably the most underachieving player in 2023. Felix has barely even made it to quarterfinals at this point. I have no faith in his overall game. Give me Fuksovics to get the job done, but I do like the over two and a half sets for the value. Moving on to what I think should be I don't want to say a guaranteed marathon, but a matchup that should be a long one. Looking at her catch taking on Kokonakis for this matchup. They faced off three times in their careers, and you're looking at her catch winning each of the last two. However, each of those two matches were th- this year in 2023, and both matches ended up going to a tiebreaker in the final set. So her catch won both, but I do think that is going to be the type of result I'm expecting from both guys in this matchup where you're going to see an absolute war between two guys that won't get broken for most of this match. You're looking at her catch is minus 186. Kokonakis is plus 161. For the spread, her catch is minus 2 and minus 105. Kokonakis plus 2 is minus 115. Over-under is at 25. And if you do want the match to go to three sets, you can get that at plus 135. So I do understand that Hercatch has won each of the last two meetings. But I do think this price is a little bit steep because Hercatch has really not played for a while. He ended up playing in the U.S. Open, lost to Draper in the second set, then beat an extreme unknown in the Davis Cup, 
then ended up losing to Tiafo in the Laver Cup, and he has not played since. So I do think you're looking at at least one tiebreaker in this match. Koganaka served very well in that Fagnini match, but we know Fagnini's past his prime. I like a pretty similar story to what we've seen in the last two head-to-head meetings this year. Give me the over. You might get a tiebreaker in the final set, but I do like the over two and a half sets, which I think is a good price at plus 135. And I do think Hogan August is live to win this match because her catch has A, not played since the Laver Cup. B, he has not played in Beijing yet. So I do want, I mean, in uh, Shanghai yet. So I do wonder how he's going to look on this particular court, but give me a lean to Kogan August. My favorite play, though, is the over two and a half sets at plus 135. Do I like anything else on the card? Not really. I do want to mention one final match, which is going to be a rematch of the final that we actually saw between these two players, where Zverev got the job done in the Shangdu final. You have Safulin taking on Zverev, and for this matchup, Zverev is a pretty decent favorite, as Zverev is currently priced at around minus 233. Safulin is plus 193 the other way. As for the spread, uh, Zverev minus three is minus 101, and Safulin plus three is minus 119. The over-under in this match is 23. Over is even money. Under is minus 120. And the match to go three sets is plus 150. Safulin to win a set is minus 120, is minus 140. So we saw this match about a week or two ago, and we saw Safulin give Zverev everything he had. And it went to a tiebreaker in the second with Safulin up one set, and then Zverev eventually uh, won the uh, breaker and eventually won the third set in the title. But Safulin's very live, and he looked very good in the first round, ended up burying Murray, beat Murray 6-3, 6-2. I thought he would beat Murray, but I, he did it in very convincing fashion. As for Zverev, he lost somewhat uh, convincingly to Medvedev in the semis in Beijing. Then he has not played. So he had a, a bye in the first round, and I wonder how he's going to transition to Shanghai. Should be fine, but I do wonder about fatigue. Yes, he's been off for a couple of days, but a reminder, he was playing a bunch of tournaments in a row because he went straight from Chengdu into Beijing. So I do wonder about stamina. Usually when you see immediate rematches, you tend to lean to the guy that lost in the first meeting. I think Safulin's very live here. I thought Safulin was great against Murray, and I do acknowledge that Zverev's better than Murray by a country mile. But I think Safulin, once again, has the game to really push Zverev around, and I do think that Zverev is going to be up against it for this match. So over two and a half sets I'm tempted by at plus 150, but I do like Safulin to win a set at minus 140. I think that's a very good deal for a guy who, once again, almost won a title against Zverev about a week or two ago, and he looked dominant in the first round. Give me Safulin to make this match interesting. Maybe a lean on the money line, but I do think that over two and a half sets and Safulin to win a set is worth the look here. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual Friday matches. Moving on to the Saturday card. Starting off, I'm not going to spend any time on the alcaraz Brewery match. I think Alcaraz destroys him, so I'm not going to spend much time on that. As for one match that I am definitely intrigued by, Phils is taking on Fakina. And this matchup is going to be a bit of a war, at least based on where the odds are located. Fakina is favored, rightfully so, but it is somewhat close. He's minus 198, and Phils is plus 168. As for the actual spread, Fakina minus 3 is minus 101. Phils plus 3 is minus 119. Over-under is 22.5. We saw Phils dominate against Kotov on Thursday. In fact, it looked like he was potentially going to win 6-1-6-0 for a bit before the second set got interesting, and he ended up winning 6-1-6-4. Fakina, though, 
has not played since Beijing, ended up losing to Zverev, which doesn't really mean much, but you're looking at how he's been performing lately. He's been fine, ended up losing to Tommy Paul in the U.S. Open, then went to the Davis Cup, lost to Laheshka, lost to Djokovic, no shame in that, then beat Kwan. Then he went to the Labor Cup, lost to Sarundalo, but once again, it's an exhibition, so that doesn't really mean anything. Then beat an unknown in Beijing in straight sets, then lost to Zverev in three. So he has been losing, but to better opponents. So once again, I'm not going to roast Fakina for losing matches. He was an underdog in. But I do think Phils can make this match interesting. They've played two times this year, actually. Different services faced off in Wimbledon, and you saw Fakina bury him in straight sets, faced off in the French Open, and you saw Fakina end up beating Phils in four. But this is going to be the first hardcourt meeting, and I do think that Phils can make this match interesting. It's mostly based on Fakina's inconsistency throughout his game and how even though he can be great at any moment, a top 10 caliber player in some moments, he can easily implode and you'll see him potentially get broken because of a lapse in focus. And I do think Phils is going to be able to take advantage of that lapse. I'm not sure if I'm going to take Phils to win, but I do think he's pretty live to make this match interesting. I don't mind the plus three and I don't mind the over 22 and a half. I'm sure you've meant, you've noticed a trend with this episode. I like a decent amount of overs, and I do think that this matchup is going to be close, but I will lean to the over two and a half sets as my main play in that one. Uh, moving on, I'm not going to spend any time on Gorin Medvedev. Medvedev is going to probably bury him. How is Rublev? Rublev should bounce back, but he's been underachieving lately. Uh, do I like anything else that's really worth talking about in the immediate card. Sinner's going to be playing against Giron. I have to keep an eye on him for stamina purposes, but he should bury Giron because he has the firepower. I do want to mention a match between Tiafo and Sonigo, where Tiafo is a decent favorite here, which I think is warranted, but Tiafo is around minus 185 on the money line. Sonigo is plus 160 as for the spread. Tiafo minus 2.5, minus 110. Sonigo plus 2.5, minus 110. Over-under is 23. This will be the a fourth meeting, and Sungo's been good in the last couple of meetings. In fact, they faced off once this year. Sungo beat Tiafo in straight sets in Miami. Faced off in the Davis Cup last year, Sunigo won in straight sets. Faced off in Paris back in 2022, Tiafo won in straight sets. So I do find this line fascinating since Sunigo has won each of the last two head-to-head meetings on hard court in straight sets. He's been in pretty good form. Sunigo lost in the U.S. Open to Sinner then ended up losing his first match to an, a relative unknown in, from Canada in the Davis Cup, then ended up beating Jari in three and beat Emer in straight sets, then lost to Umber in three sets in Beijing. No shame in that because Umber took a set off of Medvedev and beat Rublev, so not a bad showing there, and then ended up beating uh, Sekulic in the first round of Shanghai pretty convincingly. As for Tiafo, he has not played much tennis recently. He did play the Laver Cup, beat catch in straight sets. Ended up losing the Davis Cup, though. Lost to Greek Spore and lost to Gojo, so did not perform well there. But I think that Sunigo might be live in this match based on the head-to-head. Tiafo's the better player, but once again, we know he's a head case. Honestly, so is Sunigo. So it's going to be a bit of a weird match. I don't... Th- I think it's going to be competitive, but I think there might be a bit of value on Sunigo, particularly on the spread. I don't mind Sunigo potentially plus the two and a half to make this interesting, but I think it's going to be a very close match. But besides that, though, really didn't like much on the actual card for Saturday. Looking at anything else I'm tempted by, 
You have Wolf against Nori, which I think is an interesting match. As Nori's minus 200, Wolf is around plus 163. And to go through the actual uh, spread here for Nori, Nori is going to be around minus 2.5, minus 3. And I think for the sake of this match, it's mostly potentially fading Nori, who's been a bit of a mess lately. But I think he's better than... Wolf is. Wolf is going to try to unload the forehand, and Nori's going to try to keep the ball in play. I do think eventually Wolf is going to spray on forced errors and lose, but Nori has been, once again, not in great form. He's lost uh, five of his last six matches, so that's not a good look for him, but Wolf did struggle in the first round against Katchen, who is mostly a clay-level guy, but I do think Wolf should keep this interesting, but I am going to pick Nori to get the job done to win. I don't see much value in that match, though, in particular, uh, besides that, I don't really see much else. So I think we're going to wrap it up with the actual match previews. And now, before we get into the actual Lock and Dog picks, my official plays for the show, it's time to have a word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. It used to be very annoying to actually do because you had to find a ticket platform that you could trust but that changed once i found out about game time game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports music comedy and theaters near you and they also have some great features on their app including images of seat views maybe in the past you bought a ticket and you thought you're going to get a great view of the action and next thing you know you had an obstruction in your way and you realize you wasted money because you could not see the action you were paying to see that's not an issue with the game time app because with the images of seat views feature it'll show you the exact view you will get if you purchase a specific seat. So once again, you don't have to worry about getting an obstructed view. Plus, Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Sign tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog also just introduced Scorchers. Go five for five and pick them Scorchers and enjoy a spicy 100 times your money. From now until October 4th, Underdog is matching 100% of your first deposits up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue. Underdog Fantasy, 10 lucky players will win $10,000 each. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up, use promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing some matches for the round of 64 in Shanghai. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks of the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to the Zverev and Safuan match. Give me Safuan to win a set at minus 140. I think it's a good deal. We've seen Zverev had success recently, lost in the semis in Beijing, ended up winning the title in Chengdu. But he has dropped a lot of sets, and I feel like that's going to be a serious concern I don't think Zverev is going to dominate this match because A, Safulin just took him to three about a week ago, and B, we saw Safulin dominate Andy Murray in the first round here. Now, Murray is not in great form, and he's well past his prime, but the point is Safulin's firepower has really transitioned well to the fast courts in Shanghai, and I do think, of course, he has the skill to move Zverev around the court. And to go through Zverev's recent results, uh, to go through... 
each of the last couple of matches here. In Beijing, lost to Medvedev in straight sets. That's fine. Went to three against Jari, went to three against Fakina, went to three against Schwartzman, went to three against Safulin. So he's gone to three sets in four of his last five matches. Went to three against Kekmanovic, went to three against Kotov. So he's been involved in a lot of three-set matches, and I do think, as a result, there is some value on Safulin because Zverev has been uh, having some noticeable dips in his play at some point. And I do think that Safulin can push Zverev around the court. I think you're going to end up seeing Safulin be very confident after almost beating the same opponent I think he goes in there thinking he could win. I don't see there being an intimidation factor, and I do think he's very alive to win this match. But give me Safulin to win a set at minus 140. Did the exact same thing he just did about a week ago. I think this price should be a lot higher at around minus 160, but I'll take the value at minus 140 as my lock. And for my dog, give me the matchup between Kokonakis and her catch to go over two and a half sets at plus 135. I'm banking on history to repeat itself. This is the third meeting so far this season, and each of the first two meetings were absolute marathons involving a bunch of tiebreakers. Kokonakis looked very good with the serve in the first round against Fognini. Now, I know Fognini's washed. And he's basically a clay special to the a specialist at this point. But the serve was still good. Herkatch, not a great returner, but he is a good server. And I just said a second ago, the courts in Shanghai are playing pretty quickly. I think you're going to see a pretty solid serving effort by both guys. You might see a tiebreaker in every set. But two matches this season, two three-set matches, two final set tiebreakers. Give me history to repeat itself at plus 135 with two guys that are known for being good servers and not great returners. I see a pretty even matchup here. Give me the over as my dog. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be Safulin to win a set at minus 140, and my dog will be Hurtcatch and Kokonakis over two and a half sets at plus 135. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on Twitter at Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of podcasts for the network. Find me on the NBA show, the WNBA show, the MLB show, NFL show. You get the point. A reminder, by the way, if you do enjoy the podcast, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Point is, it is good to get feedback. So let me know if you like the show and if you want something changed, potentially. I'm a pretty good listener and reader. So if you do want to leave some notes, I don't mind it. I'm going to look through all the comments you guys leave. But a reminder, I'll be back for the next round of Shanghai in about a day or two. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.